0: You're now listening to a special presentation of World Footprints Radio with your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, broadcasting live from the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival in the magnificent city of New Orleans. And now, without further ado, coming to you from the Hard Rock Cafe, please welcome Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
1: Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today on World Footprints Radio. We're back in one of our favorite cities, New Orleans. Thank you for tuning in to us and uh, for our signature live broadcast for our French Quarter Festival at the Hard Rock Cafe. We're your host, Tanya Neen Fitzpatrick, and we're going to let the good times roll for you today uh, from our broadcast center at Hard Rock.
2: And as we continue this hour, we're going to continue on our tour of must-see museums in New Orleans as we welcome John Hankins executive director of New Orleans African-American Museum, to our show. Then history will also come alive as we talk to local historian Errol Laborde from New Orleans Magazine. Of course, we'll have Mr. New Orleans himself, also known as Stephen Perry, executive director of the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau, on our broadcast today. And we'll conclude with some special guests who travel to New Orleans with us every year to learn why they keep coming back to the big, easy, year after year. So sit back and prepare your taste buds for the cultural gumbo we're going to serve up and we're never far from your fingertips so if you want to reach us email us at comments at worldfootprints.com.
1: And as always you can follow us in real time on Facebook and Twitter and connect to us through our newsletters and other networks from our website at worldfootprints.com. For now let's let the good times begin to roll with our first guest. If you're a fan of the HBO series Treme, or you've seen the PBS documentary Fallberg Treme, we are delighted to share another treasure from the historic Treme District, the New Orleans African American Museum. And we are pleased to welcome Treme historian and executive director John Hankins. Hey!
3: Well, welcome to New Orleans, Ian and Thank you so much, John, and it's
2: always good to meet a brother from D.C., John's true hometown, but uh, we
3: know New Orleans has a special place in your heart as well. Absolutely. You know, uh, I moved here in 1987 and got married in 1991, but it wasn't until after Hurricane Katrina that my in-laws introduced me as not being my son-in-law from the East Coast, but they said, "Oh, he's from uptown." <laughs> oh, well. So, so you
1: got your street creds then, yeah. You know, at that right. point, now, now, John, for those uh, who have not heard of Trebay, and uh, if they haven't, I'm, I'm not sure why. Um, but give us a cliff note version of the community and and its his, uh, historical significance.
3: Well, uh, Tremé is the oldest continuously settled African-American community in America. And it's situated uh, just adjacent to the French Quarter. Uh, the New Orleans African-American Museum is only three blocks from the French Quarter and three blocks from Armstrong Park, which is the home of uh, Congo Square. The, uh, the neighborhood was like the third neighborhood built in the city and was uh, primarily... Uh, populated by uh... refugees or immigrants from uh... san Domingo or haiti after uh... the uh, successful revolution there and um it is uh... has the distinction of being up until uh... uh pretty much the civil war up to eighteen fifty or so the largest and most sophisticated neighborhood of people of color in America, where over 80 percent of the property there was owned by uh, mm. people of color.
1: Mm. Now, talk about the, the building that the museum is in. It's a beautiful building, beautiful grounds, but it has a, a wonderful uh, historical significance as well.
3: Well thank you, Tanya. Uh, and we were so pleased uh, to host you all uh, over for a visit. Uh, that we, are, uh, we cover an entire block, so we have seven historic buildings. Uh, like I said, we're within three blocks of the French Quarter, a block and a half from St. Augustine's Church. Uh, we are the home of the um, uh, Mardi Gras, Indian, and Second Line crowds. Our main building uh, is called the uh Milieu Gold Wave House, or all the local people call it the Treme Villa, is the largest and finest example of what is called uh, Creole Villa construction in the city. It's... Uh, You know, and it owes itself to the African-Caribbean roots of all the architecture here uh, in New Orleans. And so it's a magnificent mansion uh, that houses our historical exhibits. Mm. One of the great stories that the museum tells
2: that I think is a unique story to New Orleans, and it really speaks to how people of color, how Africans built this city, is that you really showcase the trades, you showcase the artistry, you showcase some of the wonderful furniture and tell those stories through those artifacts.
3: Yes, well you know museums really do tell the narratives of our people through objects and the objects that we have here are phenomenal. First is the architecture. You know, many of your listeners uh, might be surprised to learn that that porch that they're sitting on, uh, that they're uh, welcoming their guests to, is an African architectural construct that was brought to the United States uh, from Af- uh, through the Caribbean uh, to Louisiana from Africa. And uh, we have done extensive research to uh, trace those origins to specific people and specific times here. Also, uh, many of the original uh, families of African Americans in New Orleans—they uh, trace their roots to uh, a master craftsmen, people who were known for all this beautiful ironwork that you see here, and the woodwork and the balconies that you see in the city. Ninety-nine percent of that was built by uh, people of color, either slave, enslaved or free people of color. And was, We had the a huge population of free people of color. So many of them came in the year 189, in fact, that uh, the city uh, forbade them to move uh, into the French Quarter and on this side of the river, and so that's why we have a large population of Haitian uh, 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 descendants uh, in Algiers on the West Bank. Mm -hmm. John, some of the
2: most extraordinary artifacts in the museum, and I think things that one will not find Anywhere else r- other than here in New Orleans and Louisiana are some of the are some of the paper documents mm-hmm. that enslaved people used to get their freedom because of the unique way that Louisiana had to record their presence here. explain to our audience about the significance of that and some of these artifacts that you have which are truly extraordinary in the stories that they tell.
3: Well, Louisiana is unique uh, in the Americas in that uh, we have records of the uh, black population that predates the Civil War and goes well into the uh, colonial period beginning in 1719 from the very first ships as a matter of fact we have the records of the very first uh, 25 ships that uh, arrived in New Orleans with their cargo with the individual names of the individual uh, enslaved Africans but people in Louisiana uh, black people in Louisiana were able to purchase their freedom and so we have uh, on display uh, manumission papers or freedom papers that show how people were able to buy their uh, buy their freedom, and uh, it, the language is chilling. One of them reads that uh, a young woman was had the privilege to purchase herself uh, for a certain uh, price. And uh, you know, often when visitors come, and especially students, we ask them, you know, what does that mean that a person could be bought and sold, even if they own themselves, and uh, you know, a lot of times, especially with the kids, they never really consider the fact that being bought means that you were property, mm-hmm. until I ask them, uh, you know, do you own yourself? And they sometimes say yes, and I say, well, how much are you worth? Can mm-hmm. I buy you? I have a checkbook. How much are you worth? And uh, and I'm then I'm priceless, by the way. I'm priceless. So. <laughs> well, I can use that Black American Express card, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I'd have an a issue with Ian. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would hope. I would hope. It depends on what day it is and if he's mad at me.
3: <laughs> no, no, Never, never. dear. <laughs> but, uh, but you know what the museum does, I think, better than any other place, is that we put you uh, in contact with uh, authentic objects from authentic furniture to authentic quilts, to authentic manumission papers. We have uh, signed uh, documents by Frederick Douglass. So much so that right. last year, Frederick Douglass's family came uh, and rented the museum and had their family reunion there. Mm-hmm. So we are—we uh, encourage everybody to come and see these and see and touch uh, these connections to the Afro-Caribbean past.
1: Now there's an exhibit I want to ask you to explain. Uh, immediate. Am I saying it right? Drap Drape- Domania, right. The disease of freedom. That's, That's very provocative. Explain a little bit about that.
3: Well, uh, in the run-up to the Civil War in 1851, uh, the scientific journals, what appeared in a scientific journal—was a medical uh, document that purported to discover a new disease called drapetomania. Now, the word is a Greek combination of two Greek words: mania, which means uh, crazy or insane, and drapeto or drapetis, which means runaway slave. This doctor Samuel Cartwright, who was the leading authority on the uh, physical health and condition of the uh, Negro race uh, Through scientific study uh, Supposedly discovered that only black people in slavery could catch a disease that uh, Would entice them to run away and Mm. so if you were a slave and you ran away uh, You were said you could be uh, diagnosed as being mentally insane and crazy Mm. Uh, uh, And it is uh, incredible that such a uh, kind of pseudoscience could be published in scientific journals at the time. But uh, we have those documents and uh You know, it's like really incredible. You know, they said things like, well, you know, this disease uh, had a lot of symptoms, Uh, like people would, uh, you know, uh, not remain sufficiently cowed down and bowed uh, in the presence of the uh, overseer and the master. And that when the disease was fully blown, uh, the people would even uh, run away. And worst of all, the disease was contagious.
1: Huh. <laughs> well, I guess I got it, and you know, and, it, and I and I got a little bout of orneryness too. Yeah, I think too, you would so. have had.
3: I think you would have uh, been diagnosed with drape domain.
1: <laughs> I would have been diagnosed with a lot of things uh, back in the day.
3: Yeah. Um, but we welcome people to come in and really experience what our, uh, you know, the the uh, this incredible conditions that people had to live in. And out of all of this, what we show at the museum is. Amidst all of the brutality uh, of slavery, of, of the, the inhumanity of it, our people in New Orleans produce things of everlasting beauty, including an entire, uh, entirely new creative art form uh, in jazz. So out of all of that adversity uh, has come things of beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, in our
2: closing minutes with you, I know the museum has an ambitious expansion plan. Talk to us about this and how this really is going to make this museum a center of living history.
3: Well, thank you so much. Uh, We have been so fortunate to uh, embark upon a capital improvement plan. Uh, It's a $7 million plan. We've raised over $3 million so far, and we're getting ready to break ground on the restoration of the Pasoban Cottage, uh, the last remaining building on our property, which we will uh, uh, restore using uh, old techniques. When we complete that, uh, we'll have uh, the most... Uh, historically accurate uh, African-American antebellum community in America. So you can really come in and go back in time and uh, experience uh, hmm. the beauty of the most sophisticated, uh, the richest, the most culturally uh, advanced community of free people of color in America before the Civil War. John, in-
1: what's your what's your website?
3: Our website. Thank you very much. Is www.noam.org. No
1: standing for New, New Orleans, Orleans
3: African American Museum. Noam dot to org org. And please uh, uh, visit our website and prepare to visit the museum. Uh, you'll never forget it,
1: especially next year when we come back for our fifth anniversary. That's I'm right. planting those seeds all over the place, so we'll we'll, indeed, we'll certainly be and back.
2: We're looking forward to coming back, back next year after august hopefully to see some of the new things that you've got in place john hankins the executive director and historian of the new orleans african-american museum we thank you for being with us today and when we come back after break we're going to have our good friend kelly schultz the vice president of public relations and communication for the new orleans cvb as we continue live from the french quarter festival from the hard rock cafe here in new orleans this is world footprints radio join award-winning world footprints radio a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring entertaining and educational shows meet well-known guests like bobby kennedy jr actress stephanie powers director ken burns david rockefeller jr and other celebrities newsmakers and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel culture and heritage and support public diplomacy Travel with us to unique places around the world. Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com. For the latest and last minute travel deals, visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive non-published sales on travel. Our Dynamic Travel Deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners. You can't find these deals anywhere else, and we've seen sales for $9 per night for hotels and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services.
4: I'm Patricia Elsie from Mother's Restaurant, and I'm sitting here with the famous World Footprints Radio people, Tanya and Ian. <laughs> and they love our the cooking. I love them, and I hope they come back again.
0: Welcome back to exclusive coverage of the 28th annual French Quarter Festival, brought to you by World Footprints Radio. Now let's return to the Hard Rock Cafe in the heart of New Orleans and rejoin your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. <laughs>
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for staying with us. And uh, as we promised a little while earlier, we have a very special guest, my sister from another mister, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Schultz. How do you get this stuff? Uh? I don't know. I don't know. But, but it, you know, it's good rhyme and it's good stuff. It sounds good. Yes, it does. <laughs> Kelly Schultz is the uh, director of communications for the New Orleans CBB and, and truly a, a, a very dear friend of ours. Um, someone I do believe is. My sister from another mister, and so happy to uh, welcome her back to our show. I know you guys have uh, know her quite well because she's been a frequent guest on uh, on World Footprints, Um, and uh, we certainly wanted to share some great news from New Orleans with you, Kelly. You know, as you we just had our interview with uh, with John Hankins. One of the things that we've always tried to share uh, about New Orleans is that you just have to you just have to explore. You know, go beyond Bourbon Street. Well, yeah, i on the French Quarter, you know, but you don't have to go very far. And you have all these hidden treasures
5: like... The New Orleans African-American Museum. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I'll tell you, I, you guys have been here. This is your fourth year. Yeah. I don't think you've ever seen the same thing twice. Never. I don't think you've been to the same restaurant twice. <laughs> and you, there's still plenty more that you can see. So there really are so many hidden gems. And John Hankins is just a class act. And uh, wow, African-American Museum. I saw it myself recently for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely powerful and memorable, and I would definitely recommend that people go and see it while they're here.
1: In fact, uh, an exhibit that you told me about, it, it, they took it down. He took it down, but uh, it was very, very powerful. I was looking forward to, to seeing
5: it, but it wasn't uh, up for us. Can you share the uh, exhibit with our audience? When we were there um, a, a couple of months ago, there was a beautiful art... I mean, the museum is many, many different parts to it, but one particular section was a beautiful art gallery covered with different paintings on the wall and on one the first thing you saw was a family that looked like they were up on the auction block um, mm-hmm. back in the, the days of slavery and just looking at that is you just kind of stand there for a moment and go wow did this happen mm-hmm. and then uh, and there are all these other beautiful paintings and then when you get to the other end of the wall there's a painting of President Obama. Wow just showing the progression. Uh, I mean I get chills just thinking about it. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So Yeah. And another
1: museum we saw yesterday was the um, Free People of Color
5: Museum. Have you gone through that? You know, I've, I've been through the whole um, Treme neighborhood. I haven't seen the Free People of Color. Um, but that whole area, and, you know, Treme has become popular because of the HBO show named Treme, which is funny because some of our visitors call us and, and they say, we want to go to Treme. <laughs> it looks like Treme on, on paper, but... Um, You know, that whole area is so historic, Mm -hmm. especially for the African-American community. And um, the show has really made it popular. And the show is now in its second season, uh, had great ratings. And I've been impressed as a local Mm -hmm. and as someone who grew up here and who represents the city. You know, if you watch Treme, you're getting authentic New Orleans. I mean, of course, it's better to come here. but, But the musicians that you see and what people say and do... Um, it's very authentic. The producers have done an excellent job.
1: In fact, you were a little bit worried uh, before the the series started, weren't you?
5: You know, we were worried because it was, um, it's set in post-Katrina New Orleans, and you know, we are a city that lives by tourism. Tourism is an image-driven business, and we thought, wow, we don't want to have a bunch of, you know, those horrible images of what the city looked like five years ago right after Katrina. We thought that might be not really a positive thing for people to see. However, the show is so well done, and it's such a tribute to our culture, and to our musicians, it's, it's like a watching a music video almost. The entire mm-hmm. show is fantastic music, and it, and it shows why New Orleans is special and why people wanted to come back here and rebuild. And so it's it's been a really positive thing. Not only that, they film here, of course, in Treme. Um, where the African American Museum is and uh, that's a huge economic boost too, having our film industry booming as it is. Absolutely.
2: Well Kelly, the uh, thing about New Orleans is that it's got so many great stories and it has all of this history and the remarkable thing about about the tour that uh, we were able to experience yesterday we got the story from real people right here in New Orleans and we saw things and learned of things that we had not known about this place and i think that's the thing as we talk about how this city just keeps loving you back it just keeps offering up more and more and so you really never get tired of it as a visitor there's just so much to see and do here and there's just so much that when we get past the uh... past what's so well known uh... that um there is just so much to experience and so much to reconnect with American history here.
5: You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, not many people know that the National World War II Museum is located mm-hmm. right here in New mm-hmm. Orleans. The African-American Museum. the You know, there's so many wonderful museums and galleries here. And many people just think of the stereotypical Bourbon Street and French Quarter. And that's certainly part of the New Orleans experience. I mean, sure. here we are live from the French Quarter Festival, <laughs> which is fantastic. But you're right, Ian. There's so much more to the city than that.
2: And... The thing of it is about in New Orleans, and, and, and as we talked about during dinner last night, this city has such an incredible uh, repository of goodwill that even through the bad times, even through the tough things about the city, people like it because it's authentic. This is a city... That made America. You've got an active port. It's gritty. It's beautiful. It's colorful. It has so many of these contrasts that if if you're in a newer place, you just don't get that. And I think that's why people keep coming back. Why our moms have come back for three years in a row. <laughs> we We're love have the them mom. on you know. <laughs>
5: You're right, and you know some. And you guys travel all the time, and you know, especially when you travel for business within the U.S., sometimes you wake up and you say, "Where am I?" It looks the same. You kind of forget what city you're in, right? But when you're in New Orleans and you walk out and see these beautiful, uh, you know, ferns and iron balconies and historic mm-hmm. streets and hear the music and smell the beignets, you know that you were somewhere different. And so definitely we do not blend in with anywhere else. We're our own city, very authentic. And, you know, the best thing is that people love... New Orleanians love Mm -hmm. to show off their city and you guys know, I mean people are so welcoming, we truly love having you here, Mm -hmm. It's, it's not an act it's not forced, it's it's genuine, effortless hospitality, and I think that's what makes New Orleans so special, too. Yeah, indeed. And, and of course, you know, the food, <laughs> the food. We're still stuffed from last night's dinner at Sylvain, right? <laughs> Ooh, oh. I know.
1: Good grief. I'll tell you.
5: Unbelievable. But do you have, I mean, Sean is, is rare,
1: uh, fairly a new restaurateur. Do you have new restaurants popping up, um, more and more, and new museums actually popping up? You know, up? We,
5: we do. I mean, one of the things that we always talk about is that, you know, since Katrina, we have more hotels, more restaurants, more attractions. And that's something that surprises many people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Insectarium is a perfect example, which opened in um, a year or two ago. They've been seeing record crowds. They're wow. part of the Audubon Uh, family which has our wonderful zoo and aquarium and Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know the experience of coming here as a visitor and you hear me say this every time I'm on (laughs) the show but it really is true the experience of coming here as a visitor is better than it's ever been absolutely and there's so many you know exciting things on the horizon with revitalizing our theater district downtown Mm -hmm. and we already have many Broadway shows that come to New Orleans through at the beautiful Mahalia Jackson Theater Mm -hmm. there's a huge plan underway to redevelop our riverfront and you know which is of course, we can see the river from where we are right here, but um, you know, just doing more, you know, amphitheaters and, and uh, restaurants and things along the riverfront. So there's lots of exciting things happening.
2: And Kelly, not to steal the thunder of uh, your boss when we'll have him on in the next segment, but uh, we know that uh, New Orleans really embraces the cultural economy. But this city, even though it's a smaller city in terms of its population and the demographics and size, New Orleans is one of the few top-tier convention destinations that can really host the big events. And you've got a bevy of big events coming uh, starting this year and culminating with the Super Bowl in 2013. Woo
5: hoo! That's right. <laughs> you know, we uh, just this past week we had about 30,000 cardiologists and medical professionals in town for the American College of Cardiology. We've had some of the major events, and you're right. That is the nice thing about New Orleans is that we can we can accommodate those major groups. You know, our convention center has a million square feet of space, mm-hmm. and so many cities can't even think about hosting something like that. And of course, the attendees love to come to New Orleans because of all the uh, you know, things they can do in their free time. But this summer we'll have the Essence Music Festival which yeah. is a, a fantastic event for the city. Um, we just had the NCAA. We're going to have the Super Bowl in 2013. Yes. So Bassmasters Classic. So whether it's sports or conventions or festivals, we really we have a little bit of everything yeah. down here. And, and you
1: guys have an, uh, a hotel
5: reopening next year as well. Yes. The Hyatt Regency New Orleans is going to reopen this fall. And I'll tell you what, I've been over there on a hard hat tour and worked with their folks there. I think next year when you come back, we'll have to have Michael Smith, who's their general manager on the show, the most passionate, wonderful hotel manager, um, one of the best in our city. And so, really, the Hyatt's going to be magnificent, completely brand new from top to bottom.
1: Well, we can't wait to come back, especially next year for our fifth anniversary. Oh, we can't wait either. Yeah. We love having y'all here. Oh, well, we love we love seeing you. We love coming to our second home, our home away from home. And we love having your moms
5: here. Oh, the moms. And Ed. And, and Ed. Ed. Ed, yeah.
2: <laughs> Ed loves the food. As you can see, it's a big love fest here at yeah. uh, the Hard Rock Cafe, but it's all good.
1: Kelly Schultz, the Communication Director with the uh, New Orleans CVB. Thanks, my dear, for joining us again. Thank you. And we'll be back right after with your boss, actually, Kel, right after the break. Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive, non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners, and you can't find these deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the travel marketplace for sales on
4: travel essentials and services like passport processing.
1: Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel, for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, and director Ken Burns, along with other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy initiatives. Travel with us to unique places around the world and join us on our efforts to raise awareness about environmental, conservation, and human rights issues, and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Also visit our interactive and informative website at worldfootprints.com.
6: World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors, and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr., to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
7: My name is Minnie Johnson. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I really enjoy listening to the World Footprints Radio show whenever I have an opportunity to do so.
0: Thank you for joining World Footprints Radio's exclusive coverage of the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival, live from the Big Easy New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's get back to Tanya and Ian, live from the Hard Rock Cafe.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick and uh, happy to introduce our next guest.
0: Our
4: good friend Stephen Perry is Eastern New Orleans and as President and CEO of New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau and a distinguished Obama appointee to the U.S. Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee, Stephen is helping to shape national policy while championing the cause of New Orleans on a national stage. Stephen, thank you for bringing us back to our second home.
6: Tanya, it's great to visit with you this, today.
4: <laughs> now, New Orleans is a major player in the $770 billion U.S. travel market. I and mean, despite the uh, recent natural and man-made disasters, the city doesn't, have, doesn't seem like it's missed a beat, and we know that from personal experience. But I know we're approaching the one-year mark of the BP oil disaster. What has been done and what still needs to be done to make the Gulf region whole?
6: Well, the Gulf region and New Orleans really are two completely different topics. Uh I think the you will not see any impact this year for the area from the Florida panhandle and all the beaches, uh Mobile, Orange uh, beaches and all the way through Mississippi. You will see you will begin to see the restoration of the offshore industry here. Um and i mean particularly the charter boat fishing and the shrimpers and all of that i mean the seafood production has already started and it's so inspected now it's probably the, the healthiest cleanest seafood in the country because of the inspection process for us here in new orleans we ended up finishing last year as the number one growth destination in the top twenty destinations in the country and during the height of the oil spill, we ended up going, during that 90-day period in particular, we averaged between 26 and 56% up year over year. So it's, uh, it's, it was an extraordinarily good year for us despite all of that.
4: Mm-hmm. And you have no idea how that makes my heart sing.
6: Um,
4: I'm happy to hear that. Well,
6: down, down here it means you play your trumpet a little <laughs>
4: I'll I'll be doing that, too, which uh, I may not be invited back after that. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you guys are celebrating a lot of centennials this year. Talk about some of the things that are coming up. Uh, I know that the Museum of Art, which is exciting, but other things. And what are you doing? Uh, how are you celebrating those things?
6: Well, they, you know, Louis, New Orleans and, and Louisiana are really a, um, It's a city and a state built around festivals and cultural events. And it's, it's almost as if we're always looking for a good excuse to get <laughs> together and eat and listen to music. And that's kind of the way things unfold. I mean, we'll celebrate virtually anything here. And our, our you know, going going back for a couple of hundred years, it seems that it's, that it's really become interwoven in the fabric of who we are. This coming year, in 2012, is the bicentennial, the two hundredth anniversary of statehood in Louisiana, and it is going to be uh over this next year tremendous celebrations, both here in New Orleans, which of course is one of the two oldest cities in the state. And then we're really keying uh on incredible improvements and in new product around the city over the next well, six, seven years because the tricentennial, the 300th anniversary of New Orleans' birth, is coming up in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, this uh, one of the things that I think people here are so incredibly excited about is that weekend of the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th of April, which is French Quarter Festival, which is arguably the largest free music festival in the eastern United States. You know, it's grown from about, oh, about 10,000 of us really having fun, going to different food booths and and listening to music to now multiple stages with last year we had over 400,000 people come. And it is a remarkable time in the celebration of the food and the music that makes New Orleans so unique. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, and we bring our mothers down every year, too. So they're they're here with
6: us now. (laughs) Well, it is (laughs) multi-generation. That it is.
2: That it is. And uh, they actually volunteered. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that just describes the incredible pull that New Orleans has on the heart. I want to shift the focus to economics momentarily and talk about sure. the Convention and Visitors Bureau, the infrastructure for that business, because that really is kind of the engine. And as we look at uh, the recovery of New Orleans from everything from uh, uh, aviation and reconnecting uh, New Orleans to the rest of the country with more nonstop flights to having more big hotels come online like the Hyatt and getting back in the game for the Super Bowl talk to us about how that revitalization and rejuvenation is taking place and is really pushing forth New Orleans back to the top tier of uh, convention destinations not that it ever fell from that but uh, it's 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 had it's had to come some way Stephen
6: well, we t- we took a hiatus for about a year or two. Remember, yeah. <laughs> but the good thing is it's 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 obviously come back extremely well. What what I want to put into focus is the importance of this industry, which which here the culture the cultural economy in New Orleans is probably disproportionately important to our city um, compared to all of the other major cities in the United States because. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you some examples here. And, and this is a you realize this is a very small city. I mean, it's only got about 320,000 people. There's a million and a half in the metropolitan statistical area if you include some of the other surrounding parishes. But it's a relatively small city to be a tier one destination for both conventions and meetings and and for leisure tourists. Here, it is so powerful it employs 70,000 people in the city of new orleans and of course from the surrounding parishes who who come into work that's by far the largest employee base of any industry yet on top of that that it produces one third of the operating budget for the city of new orleans and it really defines the brand of new orleans in the national and international marketplaces here the you have truly one of the cities that is very powerful from a from three platforms: the leisure visitor, the con, the convention and meetings customer, both on the association side and on the corporate side, and the third is on the special events business, including sports. Because not only do you have some of the largest festivals in the country, like uh, the Jazz and Heritage Festival, and like the French Quarter Festival, and of course the largest African American. Cultural and music festival in the world, um, Essence, which is over the 4th of July. But you also have uh, Mardi Gras, which is one of the biggest events in the country each year. Uh, this year, hitting over a million people again coming back into the city, and probably the biggest Mardi Gras. It wasn't, we don't even think about it in terms of since Katrina. It's probably the biggest one in the last 10 plus years. But what is so critical here, and, and you alluded to it in your comments, this, this coming year, we have the BCS National Title Game, the championship of college football. We've got a series of major conventions. We have the Sugar Bowl. We have Mardi Gras, more conventions, and we have Final Four. And it's the first time in history that the, that the championships of college football and basketball, we've played in the same city in the same year. And that's just a warm-up for the following year when Super Bowl returns mm-hmm. for the 10th time and the women's Final Four. So it is. It has been the sports scene because of the Superdome and the quality of the dome uh, over the last several decades. Um, it has really become the city of championships, and it's. And I and I think the reason is that when you think of all the places you can go to play major sporting events, there's not another place where you have twenty-one thousand high-quality hotel rooms. Literally within walking distance of the dome or the arena. That, that's why NBA All Star comes here. It's why the NCAA brings their showcase events and the Super Bowls keep coming back because it, the downtown is so small with the French Quarter at the core and then the American sector with the warehouse and arts district and the convention center. All of those, you can scribe like a one mile radius. And have about a 17-minute walk. I I know from my loft where I live in the Arts District, I have a 17-minute walk to the Superdome. And, you know, that's kind of a nice way to live. It is. When you think of all of the the restaurants that you Mm -hmm. run into Mm -hmm. on the way. Mm -hmm.
2: It's one of the things that we like about our part of Washington, D.C., just to step from our home and have all of the restaurants and shopping close to us. want to shift gears again and talk about some of the work that you're doing as a national travel advisory board member what are some of the pressing issues that the board is dealing with uh... with respect to tourism on a national scale
6: well you know the last couple of years one of the real keys for us was to get help get us out of this national economic recession that that we were in and the impact it was having on travel something that we called the aig effect you were you remember the incredible media and political firestorm that came from what are normal and routine uh... incentive corporate incentive travel and because it came at a time where the country was going through real difficulties it it set the industry back and one of the things that the board and united states travel has been focusing on is making sure that congressional leaders the white house that they fully grasp and understand the importance of this three quarters of a trillion dollar industry, and especially because of the fact that if you take the entire u s automotive industry it's not even close to the size of the travel industry mm-hmm. and so we've we we've, we've had that from almost a philosophical point of view to deal with but we've we've got some real challenges. We had, you know, the United States is the only country in the industrialized world that literally had no funding for tourism marketing, yet it was one of the most critical, um, you know, tourism coming into the country is considered an export in economics, Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people don't understand that. The current Secretary of Commerce, Gary Locke, understood that very clearly. And when you look at it from that perspective, you realize that the United States, uh, when you think we spend zero and you think of countries like Greece and Mexico spending $70 million, $90 million, it, 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 it makes you realize how much we have left on the table, particularly at a time when global travel has, become, has increased dramatically. And, and international travel to the United States since 9-11, uh... spent several years going in a negative direction we frankly became a less friendly place to visit Mm -hmm. because of home you know the homeland security concerns and the issues with custom and border protection so one of the things that we focused on is trying to strike the proper balance with the state department with homeland security with custom and border protection with the entire visa program and the visa waiver countries getting additional countries added which was done the czech republic uh... south korea a number of others but also to try to address this visa issue long term because the three largest countries in the world which are of course uh, Brazil, china and india those have the most serious visa problems in trying to get uh... folks here and so we have Really put a lot of time in um, in backing a new um, teleconferencing, uh, not teleconferencing, a video conferencing process that would hopefully streamline uh, coming into the country. But most importantly, and I think the greatest success was for U.S. travel and for us nationally, was the passage of the Travel Promotion Act and that is the most significant piece of tourism legislation passed in the United States in the last probably four decades. And what that does of course is to for all of these visa waiver countries and and, I'll, and examples of those are of course like the United Kingdom and France and Spain and and Germany and so forth. Everyone will pay a $10 fee when they come into the United States which is very little because when we go to to uh... europe many of the countries we fly into have charges like seventy five and ninety dollars and what that's going to do is to provide to us a matching government fee capital with the private capital that we are putting in and raising and the corporation for travel promotion nationally will through discover america and our new all of the new online platforms and our attendance at all of the major international marketing shows, this is going to give the United States a cohesive presence for the first time really in history. And, you know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing when you go to these shows and you realize that our country, which arguably has the, the most diverse urban and majestic uh, physical geography in the world, you know, when you think from the Florida beaches to the Grand Canyon, you know, from cities like San Francisco and New Orleans to urban centers like L.A. and New York, and, of course, the, the mega destinations like Orlando and Las Vegas, the range of what we offer is just incredible. And yet we actually, in all of those cities, experienced declines after 9-11. Mm-hmm. So we know we lost hundreds of billions of dollars. That means American jobs. And that means American tax receipts. So we are, this Corporation for Travel Promotion is going to play the role that is played by ministers of tourism, ministers of culture, and other countries where they have significant resources applied toward encouraging travel. And this is really an exciting time to be in the travel industry as it's literally kind of getting reinvented in America.
4: And, and I, I'm so glad to hear that. And I can talk to you forever on this subject because I have a lot to say, but we don't have that much time for my for my ranting.
3: <laughs> um,
4: but uh, but uh, you know, I, I just going back to to New Orleans before we we head out of here, you know, as you know, when we met, um, everybody who knows us knows we have we love the city, and I know you love this city. I mean, passion cannot be faked. Um, and certainly, your passion goes well beyond your your job. Where does that come from for you?
6: You know, for me, I, oddly enough, I'm trained as an anthropologist oh. and as a geographer, <laughs> and in the in the in what the sense of place is. And being in a place like this that is not gentrified, it's not artificial, it's arguably got gritty element sometimes because it is not something that is just a, a polished new place. It's an historic old city. And the, the thing for me that resonates, getting up every day and going home in the evening and walking to dinner somewhere here, is that this place, like no other, goes to the essence of what travel is all about. Because what travel is about is exploring and going someplace different. It's about opening your mind and your senses and your soul up to other experiences, other people. And we almost say here that it's sort of the last of the authentic places, Mm -hmm. because it's imperfect here. And it is, it feels, though, when you're here, because culture bubbles up from the street in New Orleans. It's not pushed down from above, like over the course of European history. And it is a place where... Royalty here comes from the talent of playing a horn or being creative in the kitchen. And this city comprised of neighborhoods it's nearly 300 years old It's become a melting pot of Africa and France and Spain and the United States. And it's just become a place that you can go and be different and enjoy reveling in those things.
2: Indeed, and that culture is bubbling up all over today with French Quarter Festival and full force. Stephen Perry, the President and CEO of the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau, we thank you for being with us today on World Footprints.
6: Ian and Tony, it's so good to talk to you guys and uh we've got to get out there and eat some food and enjoy some music.
2: Absolutely. getting
4: oh, there now, my dear. <laughs>
6: good. <laughs>
2: And our next guest is a man about town. Errol Laborde is the editor of New Orleans Magazine and an acclaimed New Orleans historian. Ed, Errol, welcome to World Footprints. It's a live radio, and we're just happy to have you on. Talk to us about the state of uh, New Orleans Magazine. There are so many city publications all over the country that have been popular but aren't as popular and you've had a you've had a city that's gone through a lot tell us how uh how a new orleans magazine is doing today say
8: in early 2006 a few months after katrina we had a magazine but no readers no advertising and no postal system and so but we, and we were able to build from that and in fact we had no owner that the uh, uh the owner bailed out and so we i was part of an employee buyout and, and we've rebuilt the magazine and we're doing uh, we're doing fine. Uh, and New Orleans is doing fine. New Orleans has, has really bounced back. There's a really good feeling in New Orleans.
1: Well, you know, I mean, there, in the you know, we're just getting out of a recession. Many media companies have have folded. How have you guys maintained?
8: Well, one um, well, because we do a lot of products. Uh, New Orleans magazine is our flagship. Uh, we also do the uh, Louisiana Life magazine and in uh, uh, sort of like a society magazine. We also do contract publications. One of our key uh, contract publications is that we do the program that sold at the games of the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, that's been a salvation for us, especially coming back in 2006, because there wasn't much income, but the Saints had a really good season that year, and it created a lot of excitement, so that program really, really helped us. Uh, we do the program for the New Orleans Jazz Fest, and so doing that, those kind of contract publications, New Orleans Opera, helps helps stabilize the publications.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I like uh, there's a feature article that you have in, in your April edition called No Resting, It's Time for Festing. So, have if, if you dedicated this month to French Court Festival? I think
8: life is dedicated this month to it. Uh, April's a big <laughs> month in, in New Orleans. Uh, um, this weekend, while we're here in, in the town of Ponchatoula, there's something called the, uh, the Strawberry Festival. Uh-huh. Uh, in two weeks, we have the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. And at the same time, in Lafayette there's something called the Festival International, so there's a lot of festivals that go on uh, in the month of April and so it's a big month and so I, I started to tell somebody from out of town that that you know April is like the biggest month but then I got to thinking March which we just went through had Mardi Gras it had St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day all of which are uh, which are big days February usually has Mardi Gras and so there's a lot of big months in New Orleans there's, uh, uh, there's not a lot of time
2: to rest mm. now so many of these city magazines like to focus on, on how, uh, how culture, how uh, kind of the high society folks are doing in town, how uh, volunteering and supporting culture and uh, supporting charities. Is that still a big focus of what your magazine does, or, or how is it uh, changing, I guess, as the city's uh, changed?
8: Well, uh Our magazine doesn't do a a lot of that. We have another publication called St. Charles Avenue that does that, but what's going on in New Orleans is really miraculous that after Katrina, uh, Katrina just generated a new type of person, it generated some real grassroots, neighborhood movements in New Orleans. And so there's new leadership that's developing. There are people that have come into New Orleans, people like in their 30s and 40s who've seen New Orleans as a a real opportunity. And so there's just a a lot of excitement and, and new leadership. Uh, we have a mayor now who is very popular, who was just elected last year. But f- for the several year, first few years after Katrina, we had a mayor who was not very popular, and the city and it was really the citizens at, at, at the neighborhood level who took the leadership more than City Hall did. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so that, does your magazine uh, do some advocacy as well, or, or you know, help push the the popular vote? No pun intended. Uh, yeah. We do
8: editorials. And uh, there have been two controversial issues over the last few years that we've taken a stand. on. by the way, it's very unusual for city magazines to do editorials. Mm -hmm. But there's a proposed uh, major hospital uh, project, which is going to just change for the better downtown New Orleans. But it had a lot of opposition. We did a very, very strong editorial in favor of it. Also, the governor has uh, proposed merging uh, two universities uh, in New Orleans, uh, the University of New Orleans and Southern University, which is which is which was designed to be a primarily black university. He's proposed merging the two, and we've supported that also. And so, yeah, there have been times when, well, when we've taken stands.
1: Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, Earl, where uh, can our listeners um, find your magazine? Is it available online or is yeah, it just... Yeah, yeah.
8: MyNewOrleans.com Just MyNewOrleans.com uh, you, you can see not only New Orleans Magazine but the other publications that we do as well.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us today and certainly you're welcome to come back anytime and just talk more about New Orleans history and the magazine.
8: Just invite me, I'll be here.
1: Oh, Alright, my dear. I'll, I'll tell
8: you about the links between New Orleans and Baltimore sometime too, there are a lot. Would all love right. to. Okay, all right. Love
1: to. Earl, uh, Earl, uh Earl, Errol, I'm sorry, Laborde, uh, the editor of New Orleans magazine. Thank you so much, my
2: dear. Thank you. And when we come back, we'll have our moms on as we close out from the French Quarter Festival (laughs) live from New Orleans.
1: Hi, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick.
2: And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're the host of World Footprints Radio.
1: World Footprints Radio and Travel Radio have joined forces to bring you our award-winning brand of socially conscious travel radio.
2: On World Footprints Radio, you'll meet celebrities committed to travel philanthropy and the protection of our planet.
1: And we'll introduce you to the people and places who will give you a taste of culture and heritage from their point of view.
2: Travel the planet with every episode of World Footprints Radio right here on Travel Radio.
1: And when you travel, remember to leave positive footprints one step at a time.
4: Nancy from Lansing, Michigan. I'm here in New Orleans and I enjoy listening to
7: the World Footprints Radio.
0: No one brings you closer to the fun of the French Quarter Festival quite like Tanya and Ian and World Footprints Radio. Now let's return to the Hard Rock Cafe for more exclusive coverage of the world's largest jazz brunch. Tanya and Ian take it away.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. Before we leave today, we wanted to introduce you to some very special guests that they've actually become staples, staple guests of the festival, uh, our moms. And uh, they've traveled with us every year as we've uh, broadcast here and uh, in, as well as our, our great, uh, extraordinary engineer, Ed Cole. And uh, certainly, uh, we would be remiss without uh, introducing them. Nancy Peterson is my mom. Minnie Johnson is ian's mom and of course we got we got ed i almost said big ed but i didn't want to do that <laughs> <here>. to
2: <laughs> so is everyone having a good time this week in new orleans yes we are Yes,
0: we are. oh yeah <laughs> yes wonderful time
1: now mom you, you, you didn't travel you had not traveled to new orleans before we started coming down here what was your first impression about the city a few years ago
7: my my first impression when I uh, came here, yeah. Oh, the people, uh, the people are very friendly. The weather is beautiful, uh, and then the food. I
1: know the food. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking Ed's language, aren't you? <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> yeah.
2: And mom, what was it about New Orleans? Now you've come back here three straight years when you'd never been to this city at any point in uh, your life prior to. What what has it been for you?
7: It has been an interesting experience uh, being, uh, you know, from the south. And uh, my impression was that you get to feel this more like a European, European uh, city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really surprised at the, the uh, diversity of the people. Uh, it doesn't feel like a southern state. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many people from all over the world that uh, I really enjoyed. And most of all, I enjoyed coming down. For the weather, especially to get away from the harsh winters of Michigan, mm-hmm. and most of all, I enjoy the food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and and both of you, well, Ed, Ed included, who eats, add. who eats for pretty much all of us. Uh, you guys have had some great meals, I'm sure, here, and uh, you just you know just eat it all up when uh, you're here. What's what's been some of the some of the things that you like to eat here when uh, you're in town, Nancy?
1: Uh,
7: the shrimp.
1: Oh uh, yeah. fish. Well, it, but you guys have a tradition. Your first night here generally is is at uh, where? Uh, Acme. hmm. Uh, Acme oysters. Yeah. For yep. your oyster. That's po-boy. Our first time. <laughs> <laughs> And the casinos. Yeah. <laughs> now let, let's not leave Ed out here. You
0: know what my tradition is? What's that? Everywhere we eat is a tradition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in, and in fact, I understand
2: they're planning to point. Put those signs up around the French Quarter. Everywhere Ed eats is a
0: tradition. That's right. So, so that's coming. So, uh, put it on Google Maps. That's where I eat.
1: <laughs> now, now, you know, one thing that I know you guys have enjoyed is every time we come here, we get to see a new place. What has, what have you enjoyed about this trip? What, what museum, what attraction have you enjoyed most about this trip?
7: Well, this trip, I really enjoyed going down to the Riverwalk. I didn't realize up until last year they had that huge mall. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge shopper, but I've no. always stayed in the French <laughs> Quarter. And this time, I was determined to go down to the Riverwalk. They've got all these shops, not to mention there's also inside, where it's nice and cool. You can seconds. stroll along the river and sit out and watch the people and just... Enjoy and relax. (laughs)
1: Mom and, you know, favorite restaurant this year? Uh...
7: I don't know whether I had really a favorite one. Well everybody every every, every uh,
1: we w- we won't do that to them, but <laughs> every every restaurant is a favorite yes, restaurant. All good so you guys, I'm sorry we're gonna have to close the show out today. We hope you enjoyed our French Quarter Festival broadcast and we thank you for uh, we thank our broadcast hosts, the Hard Rock Cafe, a French Quarter Festival, and of course our New Orleans family. We look forward to sharing travel time with you and to connecting with you on our social networks from our website, worldfootprints.com. And be sure to stay tuned for news about next year's broadcast. We're Tanya and Fitzpatrick. We'll see you on the air again real soon. And until then, we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time.
0: Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio.
2: World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.